Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. My wife is actually out sick, um, so she's not with us. And I mention that because usually I ask her to be the one who laughs at my jokes and nods an affirmation. So because there's not that one person to do that, you encourage me by doing that this morning. Well, this is week two of a series on barriers. And this morning, our message is on growing while weary. And no doubt, many of us even come in here weary this morning. And the good news is, I hope you see this morning, that God has a word for us. Now, while every culture deals with weariness, it seems like this is especially compounded in American culture. At the end of last year, there was a significant study put out by the Pew Research Center about how work-life balance affects us. Now, the New York Times put out an article kind of summarizing it, and they explained that again and again what the data was showing was this summary. So there are lots of questions, lots of polls, and at the end they summarized, this is what the average American's lifestyle looks like. Quote, stressed, tired, and rushed. Stressed, tired, and rushed. For example, one mother, she described life this way. You basically just always feel like you're doing a horrible job at everything. You're not spending as much time with your baby as you want. You're not doing the job you want to be doing at work. You're not with friends. You're not with family. You always feel like you're failing, end quote. And the reality is that's the culture most of us live in. It's a culture of crammed schedules, overcommitment, thin relationships, where we find our identity through accomplishments, and we compare ourselves based upon our salaries and houses. There's a lot of pressure to that. It's a culture of technology, where we all have our email on our phone, and so we never leave work. Or we have social media on our phone, so we fill up our spare moments looking at what everyone else is doing, and then what we should be doing. Maybe if that's your life, you would characterize yourself as tired, stressed, and rushed. Now, just to make sure I could trust the Pew poll, I did a, a poll of my own on Twitter this week. Now, we all know Twitter, Twitter is a verifiable source of truth. You can't deny it, especially among my few followers. So I asked this question, what would you say is the, most often the cause of your weariness? And with all the answers that came in in a short 24-hour period, it was pretty clear that busyness of life was an issue. Now, whether you trust my poll or either poll, the point is both you see it in our context in the church and from research that busyness, expectations, pressure, those are all things making us weary in our world. So here's part of why that's important. That means every morning some of you wake up and before you finish breakfast, you're overwhelmed. It means every week, some of you are going to small group, you're coming in here on Sunday morning, and the reality is you are weary and dry and tired. And so this morning, would you just lean into this text with me and ask, God, what do you have to say to me in my weariness? Because this is such a prevalent issue, that's why we wanted to tackle it in this series on barriers. As Chris mentioned last week, when we talk about barriers, we don't mean things you handle once and you move past. But these are lifelong struggles. Um, these are things that tend to make us turn from the Lord, from think, I can't pour into other people. These are potential barriers. So today we want to ask, what does Jesus actually say about that barrier? So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. 
Now, jumping into the middle of a book in the middle of a chapter is a bit like starting a movie halfway through. There's a lot of context you miss. There are a lot of scenes going on. And if you don't know what happened, you miss some important clues. So I want to give a little context to um, our passage today. In chapter 11, we're in the middle of a section where Jesus and the Pharisees are butting heads. Jesus is revealing who he is, and the Pharisees are rejecting him. So Jesus and the Pharisees, they have two different kinds of ways of living, and those two are butting heads. So if you think about our passage today as a scene from a movie, you have to know the bigger story. We'll talk this morning several times about Jesus' approach as compared to the Pharisees' approach. Not only that, but if you're looking at your Bible, you notice we're actually jumping in mid-paragraph, which I'm sure makes some of you pretty nervous. Um, But... I'll summarize real quickly. In verses 24 and 25, um, Jesus was actually pronouncing woes on the Pharisees. Again, he had gone to different towns, um, and he pronounced judgment because they denied him. And then he gets into this section, and this is verses 24 and 25, and he says that he reveals the Father. And he actually says that the Father doesn't reveal himself to the, the strong and the wise, but God reveals himself to the weak and those who are childlike in their dependent faith. And then in verse 27, we see this revelation comes through Jesus. He actually shows us the Father. So as we read this book, as we read Matthew, we need to know that Matthew is showing us who Jesus is and the heart and the character and the person of God in Jesus. So if Jesus is the Son, the perfect image of the Father, We look at the Son to see what God is like. So before I jump into the passage more, I just have to take one minute and say, don't miss what I just said. So verse 27 says that Jesus is the revelation of God. We should ask, what's the very first thing Jesus says? If Jesus says, when you look at me, I reveal the Father, what is the very first thing that Jesus shows us about the Father? And that's the passage we're in today. It's a passage where Jesus gives an open-armed, gracious, inviting welcome for sinners. I don't think those were just randomly put together. I think 27 says Jesus reveals God, and then Jesus chooses to give a specific story. And what's that very first story he tells us about God? It's not a story of God being high and distant from us, even though that's true. The very first story about what God is like is a God who says, come to me, I will give you rest. Come to me, you who are weary, you who are weak, and I will give rest for your souls. And so the good news is this morning that God wants you to know him as that kind of God. He's not keeping you at a distance. He's offering you this morning to come and find rest. So let's get started. So in verse 28, I'm going to actually unpack three points today. First, I want to look at So who are the people Jesus invites to come? And then secondly, I want to look at what's involved in coming and receiving. And then at the end, because this is a sermon on weariness, I just want to give a few practical takeaways for weariness. So as we look at verses 28 to 30, the first thing we need to know is if Jesus gives an invitation, who does he invite to come? And we see that Jesus invites the weary and the burdened. The la- those who labor and are heavy laden. So in your Bible, if you have an ESV, it uses those two words, labor and heavy laden. 
But in other translations, it might say weary, um, burdened. I want to actually dig into those two terms because I think by looking, looking at it, it'll help reveal some of the causes and the kinds of weariness. So first in verse 28, it says, Jesus speaks to those who labor. Now that word labor can also mean weary in many translations, and it kind of gets at the idea of working hard, toiling, pouring yourself out into something. I'm going to give a couple examples where you see this in Scripture. So first in Luke, you have the example where Jesus comes to the disciples in the morning. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught a thing. And Jesus says, hey, throw in your nets and catch some fish. And Peter, who's always happy to speak up, says, um, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. That word toil is the same word in our passage for labor. So it's hard work. And the second passage is in John. And here we see Jesus, we're told he's walking to Samaria. So it's the middle of the day. He's in the Middle East. He doesn't have water. It's a long journey. And what does it say about Jesus? It says he actually becomes wearied. And so he sits down by the well. Again, same word, weary, toil, labor. A couple of things then to notice about that is first, notice that the Bible says Jesus gets weary. This is important to me to know that our Savior is actually, he knows what it's like to be weary. That's why Hebrews uses the phrase, he is a sympathetic high priest. We need to know that. We need to remember that. So when we are weak and we are weary and we are worn out, the same Jesus who invites you to come as a weary person, he knows, he remembers what it's like to be weary. And second, we can summarize this word labor as exhaustion caused by something you're working at, something you're doing, something you're toiling over. And so we might ask, what would look, what would look like that in our life? So if there's this labor, this weariness of having poured out into something, what might that look like in our lives today? For you, you might feel exhausted because of how hard you are working. You're working long hours, long weeks, and you just feel tired and exhausted. Or maybe you're mentally exhausted because you've been wrestling through an issue. You can't get it out of your mind, and you've been working it over and over and over, and so mentally you feel weary. It might be that you are caring for your kids. Every day you're pouring out your life trying to raise your children. Or it might be that you're helping your elderly parents. And so you go to work, you see your family, and then you pour out yourself for your parents at night. In both those cases, that leads to weariness. It might also be that you wake up and every day your weariness is that the same battles are there. Every day you have to fight against the same struggles, the same sins, and that battle leaves you weary. Or it might be that you've gone to the doctor again and again, and after all those visits, all those tests, there's still no answer, and that is taxing. Those are all things that might leave us weary in this kind of way, and I'm sure you can identify when you have been weary in that sense. Maybe you're even like my brother. Melissa and I saw him recently. So him and his wife and their four little kids, they were at a retreat, a little mini vacation. So when we saw them, Melissa asked a pretty normal question. She said, hey, so do you feel rejuvenated after that? And his answer was, he just said, well, we have four kids. Kind of the implication there was, we have four kids, we never feel rested. Maybe some of your parents, you can give an amen to that. You can't even get time alone in your bathroom without someone bothering you. 
The good thing is Jesus understands he gets weary like that. He actually has to get away and escape. And so Jesus knows what that weariness is like. So if our first word, labor, kind of has the idea of being worn out, exhausted, our second word in the text is heavy laden. And again, this is a word, my guess is not many of you use heavy laden. I've never walked in here and said, how are you doing today? And someone says, I'm just heavy laden. Never had that happen. Not sure why that was a southern accent, but <laughs> that's how it came across in my head. Heavy laden is southern, so good to know. But the word there is actually used in other translations. It might say burdened or carrying heavy burdens or heavy laden. So the first idea suggested worn out. This one suggests being weighed down. The first one is more exhausted and weary. This one is burdened, that kind of weary. Generally, this word for heavy laden or weary, it conveys, conveys the idea of you're worn down because of some trouble in life, something that won't go away, something that is there every single day, and it's like a dark cloud that's pressing on your life. It might be a troubling circumstance. It might be a strained relationship. It might be something you feel like you're not doing or other people expect of you. But in any case, those are kind of the instances of what it means to be heavy laden. I think the example from the beginning about our culture, that's a heavy laden culture. It's not just that we're busy. It's that that busyness comes with pressures on us. They're expectations. You need to be doing these things, seeing these things, going to these places. There's a pressure to what we need to be, to how we need to perform in the midst of that busyness. And so what happens is that leaves you heavy laden. But there's also a, a larger context to that word. I think Jesus is speaking to anyone carrying any burdens, but the context of this passage leads us to think that Jesus is especially talking to those who are spiritually weary, mainly from sin or the law. This, this word for a heavy laden is also used in Luke 11.46. Here Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourself do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So that word load people is our same word for heavy laden. It's actually used in a verb form and a noun form. So it's, he says, you load people with heavy loads, or you burden people with heavy burdens. That's the word for heavy laden. In case you don't know, again, well, who the Pharisees are, this is going to come up a lot in our passage. The Pharisees were kind of the legalists of the day. These are people that not only interpreted God's law in the strictest manner possible, but they actually add on their own man-made rules, regulations, and practices. So what happened was, in this day, a Jew, they lived in a suffocating religious environment. You always had more to do, more to please people, and the religious leaders were never happy. You never measured up. What happens then in that kind of system is that you're left helpless and hopeless. My guess is many of you, you can actually understand that kind of system. Maybe you come from a religious background like me, and that was your understanding of God and the church, that it's all about the rules and the regulations of what God wants you to do. It's about my performance and not God's promises. Maybe you were raised in a home where you felt like your acceptance was based upon how well you did. 
Or maybe the legalistic church you grew up in left you burnt out and you just long for an understanding of grace. That's kind of the same spiritual environment going on in Matthew 11. These are people crushed by the law and crushed by their sin because of the law. And Jesus speaks to them. Jesus invites the heavy laden. He's speaking here to those people who feel spiritually weary, who feel like they can never measure up, keep up, or live up. So again, it's good for us to ask, okay, I think I kind of get what that means in the context, the idea of heavy laden, but what does that look like in our context? When do I feel heavy laden? So ask yourself that question. When do I feel a weariness that has to do with the burdens I carry? Again, maybe you're a, a mom and every day you carry the burden of wondering, am I doing enough with my kids? Am I raising them the right way? Am I being a good wife? You have all these burdens you carry. If you're a working mom, you might feel guilty because when you're at work, you think you should be with your kids. And when you're with your kids, you're thinking about work. And so all day long, you just feel like a failure, like that woman I quoted at the beginning. And that's a cycle of weariness. Or maybe you would describe yourself like the person at the beginning. You are stressed, tired, and rushed. Maybe the pace of life, maybe the expectations on you, maybe the things you think you need to do to make people happy are crushing you. You know, in our culture, we're, we're told, again, you need to be serving inside the church. You need to serve outside the church. You need to save money. You need to keep your house up to date. You need to watch the news. You need to change the world. You need to have good friendships. You need to be a good family member. When we know all those things, that's the kind of thing that leads us weary and crushed. And so Jesus speaks to that kind of person. And maybe even if we're honest today, the Christian life can leave you weary. The reality is I know many of us feel like bad Christians most of the time. We think we are constantly failing God. We know I'm supposed to read the Bible more. I'm supposed to pray more. And yet when we don't, we feel like, ah, I've not done enough. We know we're supposed to not have those anxious and covetous thoughts. And when we do, we think, well, why can't I change? Why don't I look like all these other people out there? We know we're supposed to love God more and treasure his people more. And the reality is we find our heart gravitating towards the wrong things. All of this leads to us in our Christian life feeling guilty, feeling bad, and feeling like I don't measure up and God must not want me. Tony Reinke in his book on John Newton on the Christian life, a book I recommend, he describes it in this way. So if you take legalistic tendencies plus disappointment with ourselves, plus hard thoughts of God, meaning God is severe, those are a recipe for weariness. And Satan knows it. His recipe drives us away from God exactly when we need him most. And I find that to be true in my life, that Satan tempts us and he pushes us away from the Lord, and the Lord is the only one that gives us rest. So this morning, as we think about Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and who are the people that labor and are heavy laden? These are the people who are worn out and weighed down, people that are weary and burdened, people who know their soul longs for rest and for relief. And maybe this morning you're like me, and you could say, that's my life. Some of the time, a lot of the time, and maybe this morning. So if you're here and you feel like you are weary, I have some good news. Jesus says, come to him. So first we saw, again in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, 
Who does Jesus invite? Well, he invites the weary and the burden. So knowing who he invites, we can now look at what does he invite them to do? And so in this second point, we're actually going to look at the fact that Jesus invites us to come to him for rest. In verse uh, 28, we're going to land there for most of our time still. I think verse 28 is the key. It's the main message. And then verses 29 and 30 kind of just unpack that. And the main part of verse 28 is when Jesus says, come to me. Everything else kind of ties back to that phrase, come to me. He says, if you are weary, come to me. Find, if you want to find rest, come to me. If you want to take my yoke and learn from me, that means come to me. So the key phrase is that we need to come to Jesus. So I want to give four points just to impact. What does that mean? Again, this is a common verse. A lot of us know it, but we tend to skip right by it. Okay, we need to come to Jesus, but what does that actually mean here in our text for us today? So first, we learn that weariness is a barrier that can push us towards Jesus. We're doing this series because there are barriers that tend to keep us away from Jesus, and we know weariness can hinder our growth. When we are weary, we run on spiritual fumes, so we neglect God's word, we struggle to fight sin, but we believe lies about who God is and who we are. When we are weary, we might think, well, I have nothing to give myself. I certainly can't pour into other people. And so weariness can be a barrier that causes us just to put up our arms and say, I'm done. I'm not going to God. I'm not growing. It can be a barrier that keeps us from growth. But the good news with weariness, and I think this is true with this whole series, as we'll see, is that all those barriers are actually opportunities. Because Jesus says, when you are weak, that's when I am strong. Jesus says, when you are weary, that's when you come to me for rest. Jesus, as we just saw, he doesn't say, you know, if you're weary, you should feel ashamed, you should keep your distance. He invites the weary to come. So what we learn here first is that even though weariness is a potential barrier, we need to flip that on its head and see weariness as an opportunity. When you feel weary, when you know you are weary, that's the time to start leaning in to Jesus. The second thing we see is that come to me implies actually leaving where you are. You've been trapped in a place, you've been exhausted by it, and Jesus says, come to me. We kind of know that, but the idea of coming implies leaving where you are. So he's saying you can't stay in your sin, you can't keep relying upon your own energy, you can't rest on your caffeine and your power naps and your can-do attitude, you can't just keep plugging along and hoping you can take care of it yourself. Jesus says you have to get fed up with your own resources. You have to be, get fed up with your way of doing it. You have to be exhausted with the way life is taking you. And once you're at that point, that's when you come. So we know that with the word come to me, but it means we have to actually move the feet of faith and go to Jesus. And I mention that because I know sometimes when we think we need rest, when we're weary, we don't want to actually do anything. We kind of feel stuck, and we just magically hope this will go away, or I'll feel more rested, something will happen spiritually, and I'll get that rest. And yet it doesn't just magically happen. We actually have to take our feet and take steps toward Jesus. We have to open the Word. We have to gather in here on Sunday. We have to leave where we were and come to Jesus. Kind of a third point, then, is that Jesus actually gives us a personal relational invitation. 
to me, part of what makes this passage so sweet is that Jesus, he invites us to him. He doesn't say, here are five things to do if you're weary. He doesn't say, go do more of that. He doesn't say, go study that, go read a book, go take a pill. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Notice in our verses how often Jesus is mentioned. He says, well, you can't see it, but he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The point in all that is that Jesus invites us to himself. Jesus wants us to find rest by seeing him, by knowing him, by having time in his presence, and by fellowship. Jesus doesn't just give us a quick fix, but he invites us into relationship. He tells us to abide, to stay put, and to rest. And that's often what happens even here on a Sunday morning when we gather, when we experience Jesus, when we think about him and his work and his accomplishment and how he treats us and how he rescues us and how he redeems us, it's when we're in his presence, that's when we get rest. And so in this passage, we have a personal invitation from Jesus that when you are weary, come to me. It's not that the Bible just it tells us about rest and weariness, but Jesus actually invites you to himself. Jesus is speaking about weariness, and he says, come to me. So there's a relational and a personal invitation. And then fourth and finally, coming and resting actually involves a whole new way of living and working. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. But then in verses 29 and 30, he gives an explanation as to what coming and resting involves. And this is kind of as you're tracking with me in your Bible, this is where Jesus throws us for a little bit of a loop. Now, verse 28, that was a really good verse. It was, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. We love that part. But then what does he say? He doesn't say what we expect. I would expect Jesus to say, come to me and find rest, so grab a hammock and go take a nap. Or come to me and find rest, I'll give you the week off. Or I'll cut three things out of your life. Or give you a vacation or retirement. We would think that Jesus would say, come to me and find rest, and he would take some things off our plate. But it looks like he actually put some things on our plate. So what's the deal with that? Well, look at verse 29 with me to see what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The first question when we read a verse like that is, we have to ask, what is a yoke? Again, lots of things we might not understand in this passage. So what is a yoke? Well, a yoke was essentially a piece of wood placed on ox or any animals so they could carry a heavy load. Notice the two cute little cows up there. I mean, that's pretty. Those are, that's a, a yoke. It was placed on top of animals, um, and by having that, they then pulled a heavier amount of weight. Two things are probably going on in our text that even tie into this picture. So when people were tied up into a yoke, again, there's a pair. And so the idea is that you would take an experienced and a strong ox, and you would pair it with an inexperienced and weak ox. And what hopefully happens then if you own these oxen is that the strong ox carries most of the load. So this weaker ox has time to actually get stronger. Um, he can actually do the work because there's one ox carrying most of the load. 
Not only that, but as the two are together, the newbie ox actually learns from the experienced one. And I think that's why Jesus, in our passage, he says, take my yoke and learn from me. The idea here is that Jesus is saying, a life of fellowship with me and following me is that you actually see how I do life and you follow it. It's not that Jesus just says, go do this, but Jesus actually gets in the yoke with us and he shows us how to walk. It's kind of like being retrained in a different path. When he says, learn from me, he's saying, I have a way, I have a path, and I want to teach you as the lead ox how to live that. If you read this quote with me, this is one explanation of what that means. This commentator says, Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. For in the final analysis, realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. The point there is that Jesus teaches us how to live in such a way that we find rest while we work. So there's the idea of the learning from Jesus as we carry the yoke, but there's also the idea I mentioned of Jesus carries the bulk of the weight. So again, as you're reading Matthew 11:29, he says, come to me, and then he says, take my yoke from me. Not only is he saying, follow me, but he's saying, let me carry the bulk of the weight. Let me carry the burdens that you have. Get in the yoke with me because I am strong. I can put it on my shoulders and I can carry it through. One commentator explained it this way. He says, Jesus' yoke is not lighter because he demands less, but because he bears more of the load of the burdens. So Jesus, in this passage, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that Jesus never asks us to do hard things. It's not that Jesus makes life then a bunch of rainbows and butterflies, but he actually carries the burdens. That's how it's easy and light. It's not because life is always easy, but because Jesus gets in the yoke and he says, I'll carry the burden with you. To drive this idea home a little more, I just want to look at one more passage. Earlier we read Luke 11:46. Well, there's a parallel passage to that in Matthew 23, 4. Again, here's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Listen to what Jesus says and think, how does the yoke of the Pharisees compare to the yoke of Jesus? So Matthew 23, 4, Jesus says about the Pharisees, they tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. So Jesus rebukes the Pharisees in that verse in two ways. First, he says, they weigh people down with heavy burdens. This means that the Pharisees, again, they not only add all these rules and laws to the Old Testament, but they then crush people with them. They say, these are the things you need to do. These are the things that make God happy. These are the things you do to be holy. These are the things that you do to be clean. And they add all these rules on the backs of people. And Jesus says, that is not a light yoke. So he rebukes them for the kind of yoke they give, and then he also rebukes them because they don't help at all. He says, you're not even willing to move them with your, with your fingers. So they put a heavy load on people that they're not able to carry, and then they don't help at all. 
Think of how different Matthew 11 is. Think of how different Jesus' yoke is. Jesus is saying the exact opposite. He says, my yoke is light. I'm not, ma- I'm not here to pile up on you. I'm not adding extra rules, extra laws. Discipleship is easy because I show you a, a good way to live. Not only that, but Jesus says, I carry the burdens. He's not like the Pharisees who aren't willing to help, help them. He says, I'll get in the yoke with you, and I'll carry those burdens. So Jesus says, learn from me. My yoke is easy and light. And he offers a whole different way of living. So as we kind of wrap up looking, looking at that part of this section, hopefully you're noticing a little bit of how Jesus gives rest and why coming to him would give rest. First, there's a reminder that there's comfort in knowing this doesn't have to be an insurmountable barrier. Jesus says, if you are weary, that doesn't disqualify you. That actually gets you on the invite list. Second, we saw that Jesus says, don't stay stuck where you are, but actually come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Third, we have the good news that Jesus invites us into relationship. Coming to me involves abiding, fellowship, and rest in Christ. And then finally, we saw that Jesus defines the Christian life as getting into the yoke with Jesus, which means there's a lighter burden and he carries whatever load we have. So here's one clear reason why we need to hear this this morning and why it can give us hope. The reality is when we do feel weary, that's meant to be an alert. It's meant to be a prompt to cause us to ask questions. We're going to feel weary, so what do we do when that happens? Well, if we are weary, that might be a good time to ask ourselves, are we weary because we're carrying a yoke Jesus never meant us to carry? Are we weary because we're living a performance-driven life, because we're letting the pressures and the expectations pile on? Is that why we're weary? Or when we're weary, we might ask, okay, am I weary today because I've been carrying all of the burdens? Again, if you're weary, you need to ask these questions. It's meant to be an alert. God allows weariness to come into our lives to remind us we are not self-sufficient. If we could just be self-sufficient, we would coast through life and never turn to Jesus. And he allows us to get weary, so we finally give up and we go to him. So ask yourself, when you are weary, am I carrying the wrong kind of yoke? Or am I carrying burdens alone? Do I need to take it to the Lord? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to bring brothers and sisters around me? If I am weary, which is normal, it's going to happen, what do I need to do? Maybe I just need to be refreshed by abiding in the presence of the Lord. The good news in either case is that Jesus invites us as the weary to come. In the few minutes we have left, I just want to give a few closing applications. So we've looked at the text. We kind of understand, okay, who are the weary and burdened? What does it mean to come to Jesus, and how do I find rest in him? But because this is on weariness as a whole, I want to give a few quick applications. Again, this isn't everything to say about weariness. More can be said. But these are a few practical things we can do to try to rest. The first is just to be practical. Sometimes there are practical, pragmatic things we need to do to avoid weariness. If you are physically tired, you might just need more sleep. If your body is failing you because you've been living off of Jack's Donuts and espresso, then you might need to eat a little healthier. If the pace of life is too much and you just feel like, I haven't had a break, 
you might need a day off or a vacation. The reality is, when we are weary, sometimes they're just pragmatic, basic things we need to do. Those aren't less spiritual, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about them. But think in your life, when I'm weary, is there a practical solution, like just sleep more, I need a day off, I need a vacation, I need to eat healthier? Think through the practical things to take care of yourself and your family. Second, throughout the Bible, there's this important principle of Sabbath rest. I think many of us live, we live on the edge of weariness all the time because we don't actually enter into Sabbath rest. And what I mean by Sabbath rest isn't that you always have to have Sunday off or that Sunday's a day where you do nothing but go to church and sleep. Remember, rest isn't not doing stuff. Rest is getting into the presence of Jesus to find renewal. And so we need to enter into Sabbath rest, not just not doing stuff on Sunday, but doing the things that bring renewal and refreshment. Sabbath is a day to take off to let your body rest. Sabbath is a day to take off so you say, I don't have to work every single day to provide for myself, but God will provide. But it's primarily meant to be a day where we get together in this room as God's people. And why do we get together? Because during the week we get weary because our faith leaks, and we come back together and we say, I need to have my heart and mind renewed. The idea of the Sabbath day is meant so you can actually slow down, not so you have more free time, but so you have more time to meditate on the Lord, to get into his word, to be with his people, to worship him. So we need to prioritize Sabbath rest and even change our mindset about it. Again, it's not just not doing stuff, but it's doing the right things today. A big part of that is what we're doing now. It's getting in each other's, um, getting together, getting into God's presence and finding rest in him. But it's also throughout the rest of the day, remembering who God is. It's entering the week with a mindset of how God is in control, of how God's provided. It's living throughout the rest of the week with the things we learn today. So Sabbath rest is huge. Third, choose renewal over relaxation. So this kind of this application point it actually applies really well to myself. So um, preaching to the choir. But the idea here is that we need to differentiate between relaxing and resting. Both are good, but I think what happens is when we relax, we think we're resting, and then we actually end up frustrated that it doesn't provide any kind of renewal. So we need to know what are things I do to relax, and what are things I do to rest. And what's the difference? Let me give a couple examples. And again, these aren't bad things. I'm not saying these are bad things. But these are things we do to relax that don't give rest. So one might be TV and movies. At the end of the day, you come home. It's been a long work day. You're tired. So what do we do? We turn on the television, and we watch some TV. Our hope is that we relax. We get a mental break from work. We take some time off, and we rest. Now what happens is we do relax for a couple of hours, but I know, at least in my own experience, I never feel rested after that time. Now, it's not bad to watch TV. It's good to relax. But I need to know those two hours of watching that movie, they did not give rest. So if it's rest I was pursuing, I need to do something else. Maybe TV and movies, that's not your thing. Maybe social media or scanning the Internet's your thing. So what happens is you just want to take a quick little mental break. And so you get on there and you scan. And it was nice. You got away from the problems of work, of the problems of your life. You had a mental break. But the reality is you didn't 
rest. And so again, I'm not harping on those things. I'm just saying, do you know in your life, what do you do to relax and what do you do to rest? And if you're putting weight in things that are just meant to be relaxing, thinking they'll give rest, then they won't. And then you'll be more frustrated, more empty. I want to give one quick example of how this works. And again, this is not to be a guilt trip on any of you. This is more of Dustin personal confession time. So once a month on Sunday nights, we have a Fresh Encounter service. Now, usually on Fresh Encounter service, every time it comes up, there's a little bit of a battle in my heart and mind. I'm sure this is not your experience, but this is my experience. So what happens is um, it's been a long week. You know, I'm kind of tired at the end of the long Sunday. And is it just me or does it always feel like Fresh Encounter? It's like the nicest day of the month or the Colts and the Patriots are always playing. I think Chris plans that. I don't know. The reality is at the end of a Sunday, there's a fresh encounter. And in my mind, I start thinking these things. You know, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I'm worn out. It's been a long week. Monday's coming. I just need a few hours to relax. I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to do my own thing. I need to relax. I'm busy. I'm tired. I need to relax. Now, the reality for me, again, this is my experience. What happens is when I go to fresh encounter, even if it's I'm dragging myself in, I always leave rested. Now, I lost an hour of my life, but what happens is by being together with God's people, by praying, by singing, by fellowshipping, by getting into the Word, I really experience rest. So the point there is not that, hey, you all need to be at Fresh Encounter next time, and so I expect you to be there. That's only partly true. The point is that in our lives, we do things to relax, and we think those give rest, and then we get bummed out, and we're disappointed, and we're like, well, I tried. I took a break. But we need to know what gives rest. How do I refuel my soul? If I am tired and weary, what do I do to actually find rest in Christ? So finally, our fourth point is that rest for the weary is only found in Jesus. So come to him, as the verse says, and keep on coming. The gospel is good news for sinners, and the good news is because of the person and work of Jesus. At the end of the day, there is only one true and deep answer for weary souls. It is the voice of our Savior saying, Come to me and find rest, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now this is the heart of the Christian message. Whether you are here and you've never actually turned from yourself and your sins to Jesus, or if you're here and you're a Christian, but you just find yourself weary again, the message is the same. And it reminds us of this, this great exchange that Jesus offers us. And we know the good news of a great exchange. We remember that Jesus tells us at the cross, he takes our sin, he takes the death we deserve to die, and he gives us his righteousness and the life he earns. So this kind of exchange where Jesus says, come to me, give me your burdens, and I will give you rest. This is essentially the heart of the Christian message. It's Jesus saying, give me your worst, and I'll give you my best. He invites us then to come to bring our worries and fears and to find peace in his goodness and his sovereignty. He invites us to stop trying to earn God's love and to abide in the love of God that Christ has already earned for us. He invites us to bring our guilt and our shame and give that to Jesus and to take his cleansing and his restoration and his righteousness. 
He invites us to come to him as worn out and weighed down sinners and to find a life-giving, burden-lifting rest. Jesus says, bring me your worst, I'll give you my best. So this morning, if you are weary, if it's been a long week, if it's been a long year, a long series of years, if your soul is weary, Jesus says, come to me and find rest. And that is an all-encompassing invitation. If you are weary, and it's more of the emotional, mental, physical weariness, if it's a weariness because of things like you've been hearing discouraging news, or you have strained relationships, or a wayward family member, or you have unmet expectations on you, if you have pressures, whatever is causing your weariness, Jesus says to you, come to me. It's not just for those who are spiritually weary. Jesus says, whatever you are carrying today, come to me and I will give you rest. Bring your pain, your fears, your hopes, your disappointments, your tiredness. Bring that to Jesus today. But if you are here and you have a spiritual weariness, Jesus says to you as well, come to me. Again, if you're not a believer and you've never come to Jesus for the first time, or if you are a believer, but you've been living under a legalistic, performance-driven mindset, or rather, if it's just been a while since you've been refreshed from the presence of the Lord, and you're just weary here today, in all those scenarios, Jesus says, come to me and find rest. I like to pair that verse with John, where Jesus says this. Remember this, Jesus not only says, come to me, but he promises I will never push you away. I will never drive you away. I will never cast you out. Jesus says, come to me and find rest. One of my favorite songs kind of captures, captures this idea. Tim's going to lead us in this in just a minute. But this gets at the idea that we are sinners and we have to actually come to Jesus. There are two lines from it. It says, come ye sinners, poor and needy, Weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come, ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. And so we need that reminder because we always want to put it on pause. We always want to wait. But this morning, I would encourage you just come to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and as I'm praying, Tim's going to come up, and we're going to have a time of response and worship. But here would be my encouragement before we pray. Don't check out. Here's my encouragement. As we go to pray, what weariness do you need to take to the Lord? What are you carrying today that you need to cast upon the Lord? Spend this time, spend the time as we're worshiping in song, just responding. Come to Jesus. And if today you're here and you are especially weary, if you come in with a burden, or if you come in and you've been away from the Lord and you want to just come back to him, we're going to have a team of um, people ready to pray. They'll be standing along the sides in the back. And so as we sing the next couple songs, if you need prayer or if you want prayer, just go to one of those people. Now Jesus invites us to come to him, but he gives us the body to do that together. So whatever it is you're carrying this morning, don't wait. Bring it to the Lord and hear his call to come to me today. Would you pray with me? God, we're thankful that you give us your word. 
And you don't just talk about weariness, but you actually invite us to yourself. God, living in this fallen, sinful world and in this broken culture and even having um, religious backgrounds that add on and pile on the burdens, God, we do get weary. Lord, I know there are brothers and sisters in here today who are weary, who have been carrying a burden, who have walked away from you, who feel tired and dry. And so, God, I pray for them today that they would see Jesus, that they would know him, that just time with the Lord would refresh their souls. So thank you, Lord, that we can respond. Thank you that you don't keep us at a distance, but you tell us, come to me. Lord, we worship you and we respond in however way you lead us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.